we're back. Welcome to Edge of URC Podcast. This is episode 66. I am your host, Brandon Lachance. Thank you for joining us as always. Great show today. Have two guests with Fieldcrest boys basketball coach Matt Winkler has been with the program since the program started in 1992. And Junior basketball player Jackson Kusick McKay. Great interviews, great chats. Fieldcrest made it to the Class 2A Elite 8, lost in a super sectional to Timothy Christian, 59 to 43 to end their season. They had a great run though, and it was a lot of fun keeping track of the Knights as they did major damage on the hardwood floor this season. I spoke with Coach Winkler on March 16th. And then chatted with Jackson on the 30th. So yesterday on Monday, I was trying to get the show out on Monday. But I thought my computer shorted out and we would not have had any shows for a very, very long time. I was going crazy. I thought I was going to lose my mind. I thought I was going to get a baseball bat and smack my computer to Ohio. Maybe even further. But I didn't. We're good. Avoided a crisis, to say the least. So the plan is shows on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I had originally tried to set that out from the get-go, but with the way interviews fell and work schedules and stuff like that, then it became Tuesday, Thursday, like Saturday. I would love to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm going to continue to push for that. So look out for Edge of Your Seat podcast, new episodes, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That is hopefully what's going to happen. I'm going to do my best. I want to get on a routine so you know when the shows are coming out and, you know, they stay relevant. And they have been, for the most part, but sometimes with the interviews and stuff, I've been getting behind. Things have been happening. This coronavirus rocked everybody and threw off schedules. Hopefully that does not happen moving forward. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Thank you for listening. Do some plugs real quick and then we'll get to the show. I want to talk about NFL free agency. I have not touched on that because of this coronavirus. Kind of rocked everything. Rocked this podcast, has rocked this country, has rocked the world pretty much. So, the plugs. Social media. Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Twitter, Edge of Your CP. Please, give us a follow, friend request, all that other good stuff. It is much appreciated. If you have any questions or concerns or things you want to say, things you want to point out, you agree with me or a guest, you don't agree with me or a guest, anything that you want to talk about or discuss, email us, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Don't know where you listen to this one, but if you would like to listen somewhere else on another outlet, another channel, or would like to share and tell other people where they can listen to us, We are on Spotify, Google Music, and Apple Music, iTunes. All three great podcast providers. All three have Edge of Your Seat podcasts. And thank you to Brian Cavelli for the intro and outro beat. Much appreciated. Much love. Support. That's my dude. I've already mentioned the coronavirus a couple times. Do you got to say this? I see a lot of people on Facebook, and I even got a couple texts about it. This coronavirus is starting to hit home. It is starting to affect or, and in this case, it took the life of somebody that the town that I live in, that I went to high school in, he passed away. He was in Atlanta. Mr. Cassidy passed away from the coronavirus after battling for 
a couple weeks. I think it was two. I am very, very sorry to hear this. I went to school with a couple of his nieces. I was actually at one of his nieces' graduation party. Back in the day, we graduated 15 years ago. I know it's crazy. But I was at her party, so I'm sure that I ran into him. I'm sure that, you know, I seen him. I was in the same vicinity as him. His one niece was my girlfriend, my junior and senior years, like, best friend. We went to homecoming together, did a double date deal. But it's sad to hear. It's sad that this is taking lives of people that we know now. Now it's starting to hit home, and people are starting to be way more serious of this thing than they were before. First it was a joke, I did the same, I laughed, I'm like, a virus called the corona is going to affect us? Well now, yeah, it is, it is, in a big way. We're all at home, we're doing work and home. If you're an essential business, which has kind of been a joke, there's an ice cream shop that's open, there's other things that are open that should not be, people don't want to lose money. I understand it all, there's no doubt about that. But we got to get rid of this virus before it starts affecting in a bigger, major, more impactful way. So, keep washing your hands. Stay safe. I heard it is the best to wash your hands like every 20 minutes. As always, doing more research, always reading, seeing if they're coming up with new things. New. It's going to be a little bit before they have a vaccine or anything like that. The tests are... Running small, seems like they give them to all the actors, actresses, and athletes of the world. Probably congressmen, too. But it is what it is. We know the world we live in. Just stay safe. That's all anybody can ask for. And quarantine yourself while we are going through this. I seriously go to work and I go home. That is it. I seen one friend for about five minutes as he gave me a ride home. That's it. That's it. And unfortunately, that's the way it should be for right now. But since the corona has taken over the world, I did push off talking about NFL free agency. I was concerned about health and, you know, my work and when I'm going to go and all this other stuff. So I skipped, or I guess put a pause button on talking about the NFL free agency. But we must. Obviously, we're in Illinois. Or I'm in Illinois. You could be everywhere. Which is awesome about podcasts, huh? But the Chicago Bears grabbed a quarterback in Nick Foles who won a Super Bowl with the Eagles two seasons ago. He was a Super Bowl MVP. This is his sixth stop. He was drafted by the Eagles in 2012. Then he was with the Rams, the Chiefs, back with the Eagles. He was the backup to Carson Wentz, who is always hurt, it seems like, injury prone. Goes to the Jags, then he gets hurt, breaks his clavicle, comes back, plays a few games, does not look anything like an NFL quarterback. Starts four games, throws three touchdowns, two interceptions in his four starts. Gets benched for Gardner Minshew, who was a sensation for like a week or two. And then now he signs with the Bears. <laughs> he is tied for two NFL records with seven touchdowns in a game. And he went on a streak of 25 consecutive pass completions. That's pretty awesome. Contract-wise, he had signed four years, $88 million with the Jags. The Bears somehow restructured his deal. So they're giving him three years for $50 million. Gave Jacksonville a fourth-round pick. He does have $21 million guaranteed. Jags charged with a deep cap charge of $18.75 million for the 2020 season. Now that all the numbers and all that stuff are out of the way, my personal opinion, I'm cool with it. 
Yes, he had a crazy injury, pretty much missed all of last season. Did not look good for Jacksonville when he was in there. There's no doubt about that. But he is a Super Bowl MVP. He is a Super Bowl champion. He's tied for records in the NFL. He has done more than any quarterback in Bears history, unless you want to throw in Jim McMahon, who won the Super Bowl, and Sid Luckman, who is in the NFL Hall of Fame, the only Chicago Bear Hall of Fame quarterback. And who is saying that he can't get to the Hall of Fame in Nick Foles? Who knows? He's got a lot of career left if he can stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, he did some awesome things with the Eagles. There's no doubt about it. He took that team to the Super Bowl. Again, that is the huge deal. The huge deal. We have not had a leader that has been able to do that. He did not lead Jacksonville very well. But he's coming into a new system with the Bears. Coach Matt Nagy is innovative offensively. And I think that style of play can help Nick Foles. Obviously, Mitchell Trubisky is still there, and they're going to fight for a job, which I really, really like. Mitchell Trubisky showed glimpses that he could be a good quarterback. He's got an arm. He can move. He can run. But his decision-making is awful, and his accuracy, oh, man, <laughs> like that's all I can say about that. His accuracy is not top-notch NFL quarterback level. Now he's got some competition. The job is not just his. So he's got to be feeling the pressure like, okay, I got to step my game up. I don't know if I'm not watching enough film. I don't know what I got to do, but I got to do something. I know that he's feeling that right now, which is good. You do need to get pushed. I do some of my best work or whatever I'm doing when I'm getting pushed, when I'm competitive. That's the way it is. That's how we are. We're animals. We're humans. Human animals. Animal humans. <laughs> but I'm excited to see what happens. Like I said, if he can stay healthy, I think this pickup could be amazing for the Bears. He's just got to stay healthy. If he doesn't stay healthy, the Bears administration is going to get ran out of Chicago. They traded in the draft to get the second pick, grabbed Mitchell Trubisky, passed on Deshaun Watson, and Patrick Mahomes, who I feel is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Sorry, Lamar Jackson, but I do think Patrick Mahomes is the best. Some other ones that I've jotted down, quite a few, Xavier Rhodes, cornerback was with Minnesota, signed a one-year deal with the Colts. He had 63 tackles in the 2019 season, 10 tackles, 7 solo in the two postseason games for the Vikings. This is a good pickup for the Colts. They are always known as a team that doesn't have a great defense. Last year they had a little better defense than, than normal. Rhodes is an outstanding player. I feel like people do not throw to him because they know he's a great player. So. Good move for the Colts. That Minnesota defense, I like that they lost a player like that because I'm a Bears fan. So it's good to see the Vikings step down a little bit in terms of their secondary. The Bengals lost tight end Tyler Eifert. He signed a two-year deal with Jacksonville, so I wonder how that's going to work. Who knows who Jacksonville's quarterback is going to be. They got guys in place, but I mean, any good? Probably not. He played 16 games in 2019. 436 yards, three touchdowns on 43 receptions in that debacle known as Cincinnati Bengals. But the three previous seasons, he only played 14 games. So he played more games in 2019 than he did in the previous three seasons. So he's been battling health and injuries and things like that. I love Andy Dalton, who is the quarterback for the Bengals, but for some odd reason, that system has not been working. So he probably deserved more than 436 yards but this could be a good pickup 
and it's some stability for whatever quarterback does actually throw for Jacksonville. I'm saying actually, and I'm not throwing out names because who knows in the system with Jacksonville who's actually going to be the quarterback. That's why I didn't say a starter for the Bears. Who knows? Maybe Mitchell Trubisky looks better than Nick Foles in practice, and Nagy just rolls with his guy. This one kind of hurts a little bit. Green Bay Packers pick up wide receiver Devin Funches. He played four years in Carolina. Last year, he was with Indy for just one game. That one game, he had 32 yards with the Colts. In his five seasons, 2,265 yards, average of 13.8 yards of reception, and he has 21 touchdowns. It's another option for Aaron Rodgers, which I do not like. You do not have to be a great wide receiver to be great with Aaron Rodgers. So that's why I said this one hurts, because Devin Funches played with Cam Newton. He knows, obviously, how to catch the ball. He can run. 13.8 yards of reception. That's pretty solid. He could be a weapon that the Bears see on the field, and I don't like it. Speaking of the Bears, signed guard German Lafetti. I probably said his last name wrong. We'll just call him Germ. Played four years in Seattle. Just signed a one-year deal with Chicago. The last four years, he started in 13, 16, 15, and 16 regular season games, only allowing 24 and a half sacks while on the field. And he had three postseason trips with Seattle. He is 6'5 and 325 pounds. I'm kind of excited about this one. Lost Kyle Long, retirement. So we need all the guys on the offensive line as possible. 6'5, 325 pounds is not a small dude. That is building a wall. I like it. Plus, he's experienced, and he played with Russell Wilson, a quarterback that obviously he needed to guard. Great quarterback. I love Russell Wilson personally. So this is a great pickup for Chicago, if you ask me. He's experienced, and he can lead a young locker room. Defensive tackle. Talked about this guy a couple times on the show, and with friends all the time. Dominican Sue. Resigned a one-year deal with Tampa Bay. He has played five years with the Lions, three with the Dolphins, one with the Rams, and this will be his second with Tampa Bay. He's only missed two games in 10 seasons. Insane. 58 and a half sacks on the career, two and a half last year. He also had four fumble recoveries last year, and he has eight on the career. So he had four fumble recoveries, half of his career total last year with Tampa Bay. But his 22 tackles last season were career worst of his 346 total tackles. Personally, he's probably declining a little bit. Ten years in the league, your body gets beat up. Great, amazing specimen of a football defensive tackle. Unfortunately, he's got the mind of an 11-year-old throwing tantrums, acting out, not too good for him or the NFL. But he's still getting paid because he's a monster. They're putting pieces together. We got another piece that signed with Tampa Bay that we will get to in just a second. He is on my list. The Bears also signed another quarterback, Tyler Bray. I guess giving Mitchell Trubisky all the competition that they can. This guy got a one-year deal. Probably won't see him on the field, I'm going to guess. In 2017, he played one game with Kansas City Chiefs. He went over one with a 39.6 QB rating. Hmm. Guessing he's just there to push practices and to make other quarterbacks better. Unless Foles and Trubisky can't walk or throw the ball, he won't play. Bears also assigned DeAndre Houston Carson. 
fifth year with Chicago, played 16 games last year, but he only has four tackles on his entire career, and that was in 2018. He's a backup safety, and he will probably continue to be a backup. I did add a lot of Bears in here, even if they don't do anything or haven't done much on their career, just because, you know, it's my team. Interesting quarterback shakeup with Carolina as well. Cam Newton was cut. Kyle Allen was traded from the Panthers to the Redskins. Good luck, Kyle Allen. The Redskins are just as big a disaster as the Cincinnati Bengals. But at least the Bengals had an okay quarterback. Rest in peace to Alex Smith's career, who got destroyed in Washington last year. He's probably never going to play again. Panthers signed two-year contract with P.J. Walker. He was undrafted out of Temple. And the Panthers also picked up Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy started off in Minnesota, had a good year, maybe year and a half, got hurt, was kind of shipped out, had a resurgence last year with New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees gets hurt. Teddy came in and played pretty well. I mean, still helped New Orleans get to the playoffs and did his thing. So we'll see what Teddy does with Carolina. It could be a good move. I mean, they had a quarterback like Cam Newton who was mobile, but could also throw. Teddy is not on Cam Newton's level. Maybe now, I don't think Newton is the Newton that we know him as, but I'm kind of interested to see what Teddy does here. I hope he shines. I kind of like Teddy Bridgewater. I like his name. I always call him Terry. <laughs> I call him Terry Bridgewater. Good old buddy, Tony Miles, who has been on the show, he was a co-host to start with. He always made fun of me because I call him Terry. I just like making fun of Teddy, so I called him Terry. So that's how it goes. But I'm interested to see what he could do with Carolina. Could be a really good fit. I'm curious to see where Cam Newton goes. He's running out of options at this point. The Colts grabbed Phillip Rivers. So with Rivers going to the Colts, this leaves a void with the Los Angeles Chargers. Tyrod Taylor right now would probably be their starter. I would still much rather have Cam Newton to see if he can come back from his injuries and be a stud. I don't know their financial situation. Chargers seem like an all right idea. Tampa Bay probably would have been a good spot for him, but somebody already went there, and his name is Tom Brady. Signed a two-year deal with Tampa Bay. This dude's a legend. We all know him. Played 19 years with the Pats. Won six Super Bowls. Just a monster. Regular season. He has thrown for 74,571 yards. 541 touchdowns, 97 quarterback rating, 179 interceptions. In the postseason, 11,388 yards, 73 touchdowns, 35 interceptions, with an 89.8 QB rating. He's a legend. I think he is the GOAT. The GOAT. Do I like him the best? No. No. I would much rather chill with Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers or Joe Montana than Tom Brady. But number-wise, Super Bowl-wise, game-wise, Tom Brady is the best. Is the best. He is 43 years old, though. He's getting super old in terms of NFL quarterback. And the reason him and Bill Belichick parted ways was because he wanted a more long-term deal than the Patriots wanted to give him. Dude, you're 43 years old. And there has been a little decline in the last few years. But we'll see. Tom Brady has got an arsenal of wide receivers with Tampa Bay. Mike Evans is a stud. Chris Godwin is a stud. Brian Mitchell, not bad at all. They have a couple other guys that can move, that can catch the ball, spread the floor, or the court. It's not basketball. 
So it is going to be very, very interesting to see what he can do with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then picking up Sue on the other side for the defense. I did not watch many Tampa Bay games last year. I think I may have seen one or two. And you know, the defense struggle at times, stopping people, obviously. Happens when you go 7-9 and nine in a season. Improve the defense, grab a Hall of Fame GOAT of a quarterback. Tampa Bay is going to be very interesting to watch next year, no doubt. I am sure those wide receivers are super happy to be playing with Tom Brady. Not that Jameis Winston was super awful last year. He had some really good games and was tearing it up for a little bit. But it's not the same thing as playing with Tom Brady. Definitely not. The Bears re-signed defensive end Brent Urban. Played nine games last year. 16 tackles. 10 of those solo. Okay pickup. Or okay keep, I guess. He gets more playing time. Maybe he gets better. Who knows? Also for the Bears. Safety Jordan Lucas won a Super Bowl with Kansas City last year. Four years in the league, two with Jacksonville, then two with KC. In those 14 games last year, he had two assist tackles. He did, I guess, suit up for three playoff games. Didn't have any stats. Don't know much about him. He was on a Super Bowl team, so hopefully he can bring that experience, that knowledge of those big games to the Bears, help out the locker room if he doesn't do much on the field. We shall see. Also, Bears tight end Patrick Scales. He's played in 55 games in his five-year career. The last four with the Bears. He's pretty much a career special teams guy. He has no stats in five years. Just a body. Just somebody to plug in at the tight end. I wish I was that guy. Not really having to do much and getting paid. Also for the Bears, they re-signed three-year cornerback Isaiah Irving. Last year, he played 13 games, had 10 tackles. Then we have seven-year linebacker Barcavius Mingo. He was signed for a deal. He's only missed two games in seven years. The last year with Houston, he only had one assisted tackle. But he's a big dude, knows how to hit some people. Hopefully he can get on the field with the Bears and show us what he has. For New Orleans, this is also scary. Emmanuel Sanders going to the Saints. Signed a two-year deal with them. He's nine years in the league. Won a Super Bowl with the Broncos and Peyton Manning. Last year, he went back to the Super Bowl with the 49ers. For the Niners, he had 10 games, 36 receptions for 502 yards, 3 touchdowns. In the playoff, 3 games for the 49ers, 5 receptions for 71 yards. Yeah, 9 years, this will be his 10th season. Getting a little older, but still can catch, still can run routes. Maybe he's lost a little bit of speed. But with Drew Brees and the Saints' dynamic offense, I don't think any of that matters. He will be just fine, and he is going to be a deadly weapon for the Saints coming this season. No doubt about that. That's going to be scary. One of my favorite players the last few years, unfortunately, on the downward spiral of his career, I feel. Running back Todd Gurley was with the Rams for five years. Just signed a one-year deal with Atlanta. He has had knee problems that have influenced his game the last two years hope this guy can pick it up and make atlanta solid formidable running game they have had issues with running backs there they need somebody that can help balance their offense matt ryan can't do everything i know some people are calling him a bad quarterback and actually i think jackson kusak mckay did on this very episode but i really like matt ryan i think he's got a great arm and knows the game He's had awesome wide receivers, Julio Jones, just to say the best that he's had. But they never have a running game. So defenses know where to go. 
put another cornerback in. You don't have to really stack the box. They're going to go back and try to throw. So put somebody else in the backfield. Obviously, with tape and film these days, you kind of know their game plan because they're going to throw every single time, it seems like. Well, now, hopefully, Todd Gurley can stay healthy and mix it up for Atlanta a little bit. In 2019, with the Rams, he had 223 rushes for 857 yards and 12 touchdowns. That is the lowest yardage of his five-year career. Hopefully, he can pick that back up. Also in the running back realm of things, Melvin Gordon signed a two-year deal with the Broncos. He was with the Chargers for five years, racking up 4,240 yards and 36 touchdowns. Last season, 612 yards, 8 TDs. He also had 42 receptions for 296 yards and a touchdown. So combined, he had over 900 yards. Good season for Melvin Gordon. He's fast. He could definitely help the Broncos. So we will see what happens there as well. There's a lot of we'll see what happens. That's what this whole free agency game always is. We will see what happens. Who knows? Especially in the NFL. Every year, players change. Some improve. Some decline. Some stay the same when they should decline or should get better. It is always a crapshoot, to say the least, when it comes to the NFL. And the last one I had on the list of things that I want to talk about was Phillip Rivers. I was talking to a friend about this guy. I seriously don't like him. I don't know why. He probably has Hall of Fame numbers. Probably. But what did the Chargers ever do with Phillip Rivers? Not much, to say the least. A team that, I'm not saying they should have went to the Super Bowl or should have won a Super Bowl, but there was a couple years where they had the talent to do whatever they wanted to and didn't. It's a quarterback, so I feel like some of that pressure or that stigma of them not being able to get over the hump has to fall to Phillip Rivers. It has to. There was a couple seasons that he looked god-awful. Some seasons he looked like he was going to be an NFL GOAT. And he did play in the AFC with some pretty substantial quarterbacks, a.k.a. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, all Hall of Famers. Just not my cup of tea when it comes to NFL quarterbacks. I think it was like a week ago, a friend and I listed all the quarterbacks that we liked better than him. Can't remember all the names. Obviously, Brady, Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger. We try to pick quarterbacks without looking at Google to see who played all the years that Rivers has played. But some other names that we threw in there were Tony Romo. The biggest debate was Eli Manning or Phillip Rivers. I think I picked Manning over him, and I'm not a huge Eli fan either. But yeah, <laughs> so I picked Tony Romo, Eli Manning over him, and a few others. But just not a great quarterback, if you ask me. Good numbers. This eh, just didn't do anything. Didn't overwhelm anybody. Didn't didn't excite. Didn't wow anybody. Hopefully he can help the Colts out a little bit, especially after Andrew Luck just hung it up last season on really crazy terms. I don't know if term is the right word. Just a, hey, I'm done. Obviously, he probably thought about that for a while. I don't know if he told the team or not, but everybody else, as soon as we heard the news, were like, what? Seriously? Like, right now, you're just retiring. But I believe it was family stuff, injury stuff, and it made sense, but it was just kind of crazy that really doesn't happen in sports that often. Hopefully, Phillip Rivers can help turn around Indianapolis a little bit, but... I don't see it happening. Not a Philip Rivers guy. Well, that is all I wanted to touch on the NFL free agency. I probably missed a couple players that I should have talked about. Excited to talk about something that is relevant in sports <laughs> since we can't play anything. Can't really watch anything since nothing is happening. 
That is my NFL free agency rundown. I am going to kick it to the interviews now. First, we got Fieldcrest Boys basketball coach Matt Winkler and then junior Jackson Kusek McKay. Again, both great people, both great basketball minds, and it was a pleasure to speak with both of them. Like I said, we are going to try to shoot for Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Today is Tuesday, March 31st. That is the plan to go with that from now on. Like I said, Monday's edition got kicked because of technology issues. Man, I'm so glad my computer wasn't fried or burnt up. I thought that's what happened. Woo! It didn't. With that said, we will be back on Wednesday. Until next time, peace. Through my 15 years of being a sports journalist or journalist in general, I got to meet a lot of people, talk to a lot of different coaches and players and just all around people doing everything, anything that has to do with sports or college, high school, being a student, all that other good stuff. Anyway, there's one conversation that always remembered. I will never forget. It's always stuck in my head. And it was with Fieldcrest boys basketball coach Matt Winkler. It was a preview. I want to say it was a 2012 or 13 season. It was one of those years. And I go into the gym and we're talking and I was like, you guys have been on a roll and I will never forget. You listed off the accomplishments and go, you can print that. And I will never forget that. And I did print it. And we have had a great relationship ever since. And of course... Fieldcrest had great success this year, so I had to have Matt Winkler on the podcast. He's with us. How's it going, Matt? Doing fine, Brandon. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Do you remember that conversation at all? Uh, you know what? Vaguely, I do remember that uh, conversation, and it probably was the 2012 season. That was the last time I went to the super sectional. Uh, it could have been the preview for the 2013 because we just got done with a great season. But yeah, I vaguely remember it. I do. I really do. Now that you said that, I think that's exactly what happened. It was coming off 2012 where you guys won a sectional championship, and 13, you guys were returning quite a squad that still had a lot of good players on it. Yeah, we really did. We went to the uh, Sweet 16 that year. We got beat by Mama's Roseville over at Farmington, and the reason it was a rematch of the uh, sectional championship of the year before, and we go over there, and we beat Ethan Happ and Rock Ridge. Uh, we upset them. They were heavy favorites that game, too. They were uh, had been ranked all year. And we got snowed out the night before. That game, it was running late. Mama Throws played the first game on Tuesday. So we had to play back-to-back nights, and we didn't get home until probably 11.30 from Farmington. We had to turn around and go back the next night because of the snow out. And it, uh, it it seemed unfair, but our kids rose to the occasion. We played as hard as we could. We just came up a little bit short. Um, we got beat by one or two, and we had a shot at the buzzer to win. And it was heartbreaking, especially heartbreaking for our seniors. Uh, it seemed a little unfair that we had to play back-to-back like that. I thought the IHSA could have moved it to a Saturday. That was my feeling that night. They should have done that, too. I think I remember, I don't know if I talked to you about this. I might have talked to another journalist, but I remember talking about this and, like, why didn't they move it? I remember that. Yeah, I mean, snow interfered, and uh, it was a long trip over, and the roads were still bad that next night, and it took us forever to get there and took forever to get home, and we played a very close ball game uh, with Taylor Ridge Rockridge, and that was a tough ball game where we had to battle half and remember Drew Bart's uh, pick. 
points at the end, but it was a, a memory forever, and I still use that game and use his name quite frequently in practice on, on how to be tougher and play tougher in, in big situations, and it was a good memory beating him. Since you brought Drew Barth up, and then we'll get to the other stuff that we were going to talk about, but you brought up Drew Barth, and I remember at the News Tribune before I left, it was probably last summer, and me and a couple of the other guys were talking about five players that we would have on our starting lineup from the time that we've been there, because at that time, all of us had been there for at least seven, eight years, and I put Drew Barth on my team, and they're like, really? And I was like, he was good at everything, he was super tough, and he was a big-time clutch performer. All the big games that Fieldcrest had during his time, he stepped up and rose to the occasion every single time. I would want a guy on my team like that any day. Yeah, Drew was a great player. Four-year starter. Had a great four years. And like you said, he was good in basketball, good in football, and good in baseball. He was a three-sport athlete. Did a lot of great things for Fieldcrest High School, that's for sure. And now he's helping me uh, coach and doing great things in, in that area, too. So uh, he's... Uh, he wants to experience that, and he would make a great coach. Him and his brother Ryan, awesome coaches. And my son Michael, of course. Uh, Michael's just a natural-born coach, natural-born leader. And they have been helping you for quite some time, haven't they? At least the last three or four years? Ryan was, and then uh, Drew during his college on and off. And uh, this time uh, he was there basically full-time. And Ryan was full-time last year, and he, he took a job out east as a grad assistant in football and they were just so intelligent in all sports that's for sure and then and Michael's been helping me for the last three or four years he's just so knowledgeable about sports and basketball their knowledge comes in and very helpful when they're on the bench definitely got a good staff for you there that's for sure definitely definitely along with my assistant Jeremy Hahn who does a fabulous job very good in player relationships too uh, he just he seems to push all the right buttons so we were talking about 2012 was the last time you guys won a sectional. You won a few regionals along the way, I think, through your time at Fieldcrest, which you began the program in 1992. You have 14 regionals, is that correct? That is correct, yep. And then this year you won your second sectional championship. What was it about this team that pushed it to another level? Kids that all the way through the program, starting junior high, hated to lose. Very competitive, a lot of talent. Seems like they push each other, especially the junior class. The junior class had a lot of talent in it. They just seemed to hate to lose, and they've been in a lot of big ball games. And, you know, we just got better and better as the season went along. We hadn't lost since mid-January in the semifinal to uh, El Paso Gridley, and we just went on a tremendous run knowing that we had to win every single ball game to win the conference, which we did. We got a share of the conference at 11-1, and one. and then come regional time, we got shipped to one of the toughest regionals around at Chillicothe with number five, Kiwani, in there, and Chillicothe, who everybody thought was great because they were dropping down from 3A and had beaten Washington earlier in the year, and then you had a great team like Princeton in there. If you look at that regional, those are quality basketball teams, big-time basketball names. You had us, you had Bureau Valley, Eureka. Chillicothe, Princeton, and Kiwani. My gosh, those are like sectional, super sectional teams of old. And uh, we just rose to the occasion and, and got a great regional win. And then we go up and play Rockridge again, who's been ranked all year long. Even though they're a little bit young, they're going to be really good down the road. And we handled them. It was a tough ball game. And then we uh, upset Sterling Newman. That's how we got to the uh, Elite Eight and had to take on a tough Timothy Christian team. 
that's the one game we just didn't play well coming down the stretch. Was it just the game itself, or was the moment, or what was it about that game that, you know, Fieldcrest just wasn't Fieldcrest quite when you needed them to be? That is a great question. <laughs> I wish I could answer it. I don't know. I, I don't. Uh, we just seemed out of sorts. And you know what? People have asked me that question. Why did we play so bad? Timothy Christian, I think, had a lot to do with it. They really did. It was a team that had overall size. You know, we played some teams with just a couple big players, but this team had 6'5", 6'5", 6'4", 6'2", and then a really good point guard. Their 1-3-1 just gave us a lot of trouble. I should say the game before against uh, Sterling Newman, their 1-3-1 zone didn't give us a lot of trouble, especially in the second half. It's probably one of the finest halves of basketball Fieldcrest has ever played. We got them to abandon their signature defense in the second half and get out of their 1-3-1 zone and go man. Unfortunately, we couldn't do that against Timothy Christian, and we just didn't catch and shoot and pass the ball like we've been doing for the last month and a half. And gosh, I've been racking my brain on why. There were no answers. It's just It was just one of those games. Just sometimes in sports, you run into one of those games. Unfortunately, it happens to every team in each class except one. <laughs> if you look at it, that's how it, well, that's how it works. I just use that term in general, too. You rack your brain in college, you, you watch some college games, and you go, man, I just saw them last week. I thought they were a top 10 team, and they look terrible. And pros, you know, you just sometimes pros look terrible. It just was one of those nights, but I got to tip my hat, Timothy Christian, and the way they played us, they played us great, and they, they took us out of uh, what we wanted to do. And But to our kids, credit. We never quit. We got down 19. We cut it to eight with about two and a half minutes to go and just couldn't whittle it down. Uh, Tim to Christian, we, I thought we followed the right guys and they made free throws down the stretch and that's what you got to do. That's how you win ball games when it gets to that level. Hit some free throws. That's the thing about us. The, the last month and a half, we made every clutch free throw. My gosh, back to the Sterling Newman game of championship. We were absolutely perfect in the last three minutes. I don't think we missed a shot. We didn't miss a free throw, and everyone was pressure-packed. We did it. We got a really big stop. Matt Morton on uh, their 6'8 player. Um, his name eludes me. Tell me. Come on, help me. Devin Haas. Um, for Sterling Newman, who's their 6'8? Yeah. Is it? Is House. It, House. Yeah, Devin, yeah, Devin I forget that. I think it's Devin House. Devin House. Because he was as big as a house compared to us. And uh, Matt Orton just played an awesome second half of defense on him. And, and we got a huge stop with about 50 seconds left to go. We converted down to the other end just to go ahead or to keep a, a one or two point lead. And then we went up three and they missed a three at the buzzer. And then, then all pandemonium broke loose. It was uh, just a wild celebration for Fieldcrest after that. But that was a really, really fun ball game. I've seen... Devin House and Newman last year against Burrow Valley when Burrow Valley beat him in a sectional championship and he was huge then so I'm guessing this year he was a little bigger <laughs> what did you guys do to try to control him I think he made state 1A or uh, sorry 2A state the first team yeah and rightfully so well deserved well and if you've watched the history of Fieldcrest basketball we have not been blessed with any huge players we have always been blessed with guards and shooters but we have not
one of the hardest workers we've ever had, playing against Prosser from Eureka, who went on to play at Bradley. We just put Robert on him all the time, and we told Robert to front him, work him, try and post him up when he's, even when he's on offense, get in front of him. And then, of course, we had to rely on our guards to put a lot of pressure. And Robert did one of the most outstanding jobs numerous times on him every time we played him. And I've always used him as an example when we were going against the big guy, and I did again when we were playing Sterling Newman. You just got to work hard. Sometimes you, you can just outwork people, and we've tried to instill that in our players, that's for sure. Let's talk about your team. I mean, if you look at most of the box scores, your two leading scores most of the time were Juniors, Jackson, Kusek, McKay, and Corey Land. Talk about those two and then the players that were surrounding them that, you know, made this run possible. First of all, yeah, it does start with those two, two great players. Jackson, Kusek, McKay, I think one of the best point guards in the state of Illinois in 1A or 2A. If not the best, uh, I really have a lot of admiration for him and the way he plays the game and he's worked at it, handles the ball better than anybody we've ever played this year. So hopefully he gets some recognition down the stretch. Corey Land just getting better and better and better as a basketball player. It all starts on the defensive end for Corey and I'd like to throw Henry Wharton in there, two of the best defensive players against guards and they just put a lot of pressure on the opposing team. And Corey just got better and better shooting the basketball. His stats just, after the first year, just went up and up. Our two seniors, Matt Horton and Garrett Nix, hard workers, great kids, great teammates. Everybody enjoyed playing with them, especially Matt Horton. He really encouraged. He's one of our captains. Always brought a sense of calm to the team and a sense of, uh, we got to be ready to play. He's an intense player. The son of uh, two coaches and the brother of Henry. He just had to outwork other people. And he did. And then you throw in a lot of uh, players that came in off the bench that had great years that were just about winning. This team, we asked him at the beginning of the year to check their egos at the door. We had a lot of talent. Not everybody's going to get a chance to play. Not everybody's going to get equal minutes. But uh, when you get in there, make the most of it. You never know when your number's going to get called. And the guy that uh, is the epitome of that is Bryce Nordstrom, who hadn't been playing all that much, but been getting better and better in practice. And we evaluated every single night practice. He got the call. He was the one that kept us in the ball game against Sterling Newman. Came in, led the team in scoring with uh, 17 points that night, hit five three-pointers off the bench. And if it hadn't been for his three threes in the second quarter, we wouldn't even have been close. They would have had us down probably 15, 16, 17 points. Instead, it was a very manageable eight points at halftime. We could manage that. And we got it to single digits where we wanted. And we just slowly chipped away and worked it back. And uh, the rest is history. Besides never forgetting like one of those initial conversations with you at the preview, I will never forget last year watching Jackson hit seven threes against El Paso Gridley in one of the craziest games I've ever seen. The Fieldcrest gym was... Hype is not even a definition of the environment that was there. And he hit seven threes. I talked to him after the game, and he's like, I don't even know how that happened. I'll never shoot like that again. I'll never forget that. I remember it well, too. We were down 21 points in that ball game, and... Uh, one, of, one of the greatest comebacks in Field Crest history. And we went on to play him again in the uh, regional championship and beat him again last year in, in the championship. So, uh, yeah, that was a phenomenal night. The way we we fought tooth and nail to come back and Jackson just going off. Jackson has made himself a great shooter over time because his uh, junior high and um, freshman year, you know, he wasn't that good outside shooter. 
lot of arch rivals too. <laughs> the field press is not them, you know. Seems that I don't know why that is, but you know everybody seems to uh, get up to play the nights, and we try to tell our guys that you got to be ready to play every single night because you're going to get everybody's best around here, especially around this area. And I don't know if it's still this way. It's probably been a couple years since I've seen you guys play St. Bede. But at one point, every time Fieldcrest and St. Bede seen each other in a tournament or a regional tournament, it was crazy. It was crazy. We had some crazy games. Some different coaches, too, for St. Bede. You know, it changed hands. And, uh, you know, I, I remember the, they should have beaten us a couple times. St. Bede's never beaten us. Like you said, that's why they got up. They had us down, it was in the Hall Championship, and I think they had us down four with like 24 seconds, 25 seconds to go, and we scored, and they got a technical foul. It turned everything around. We ended up winning in regulation. It was just a crazy game. It was almost to the point where, yeah, we're going to lose this, and somehow we pulled out a win. But, uh, yeah, there's another arch rival every time we played them. You know, it just seemed like uh, that was a big game. And if I remember right, the game that you're talking about, that Hall Regional Championship, I believe that was Jared Olson's junior year, and that might have been his last game with St. Bede. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah, I, I think so. And it was, I think that was 2012 when we went to the, the Elite Eight, and that was a tough regional. St. Bede was good. Eureka was good. Matter of fact, I made a T-shirt up, Road to the Final Eight, uh, the teams that uh, we had beaten along the way that were just had phenomenal years that year. Every win was just, I aged five years every game that year uh, down in the postseason because every game went down to the wire. And it was just, somehow we found a way to win. The reason I bring up Jared Olson was because, of course, the next year he went to Galesburg and then he was pitching at Parkland and now he's pitching for Michigan State. So that's why I bring him up because he's a D1 pitcher and he couldn't get the job done against Fieldcrest. <laughs> Just saw uh, a little thing on Twitter that, you know, since they've canceled their season and uh, he's, he's almost throwing 19, he's had a great year and he's a phenomenal pitcher and hopefully he's going to get a look if we ever continue sports again without wearing uh, protective suits uh, <laughs> over our body. It'll be strange too, won't it? Yeah, it seems like everybody is going to be wearing a Homer Simpson hazmat suit pretty soon. statement about 20 minutes before you and I started talking that I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Unfortunately, I think that's how it's going to be. Unfortunately, your season was over before, you know, things started to get canceled. But what were your thoughts when you heard that the boys basketball IHSA state tournament was going to be canceled and the four teams that made it to the final four state tournament, the semifinals, weren't going to get to play or get a chance to win that championship? What were your thoughts on that? disappointing it's the best time of year you know when you're playing when you're a basketball coach and you're still playing in march and your dream is to make it to the state tournament if we would have won that game and, and made it to the state tournament and you're practicing on that thursday ready to go tip it up for friday and they come in and tell you you can't play it would have been heartbreaking especially after all these years of coaching and your team wanting to get there and uh, i would have been extremely disappointed for the kids that being said as each day goes by, it seems like the right decision. More and more every day, it seems like the right decision they made. 
could have done. And you still feel for those teams. And our team getting beat that night, if we would have made it, we would have been heartbroken. I would have been mad at first. You know, you thought you could have played uh, even without a crowd. And, you know, even then, it would have been so tough to pick 60 people out of everybody. Who gets to go watch your team? You know, I heard Ron Benson had sold 3,000 tickets. And then they were going to have to whittle it down to... 60. How would you do that? I just don't understand that thinking, but uh, in the end, they probably made the right decision. So, in all sports, safety before all else. Life happens, and we gotta go with it. Yeah, I talked to Roanoke Bench and coach Abe Zeller, and he was talking, they had like 2,000, maybe 2,500 at the super sectional, and he's like, if we would have went to state, he's like, we might have sold out that gym. <laughs> and I think they would have. I mean, and there are a lot of areas and, you know, they can recruit and get players from other places. Do you think it's an advantage? No, whoa, whoa, I didn't say anything about recruiting. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 uh, no that, uh, yeah, they always have that stigma about them that they, they get to recruit and, uh, you know, it's, they have a bigger area to choose from, which, uh, you know, that's true. They still have to pay to go there at some places where you know high they don't have to and dropping down the 2A is beneficial to them you know they went a sectional last year in 3a and then they get to drop down to 2a i don't understand that at all i thought the multiplier was working very well some people must not have thought that and so they wanted to reset that and 2a is just extremely tough i mean and they increased the enrollment to 697 this year so a little old field crest at 335 is going against 697 and some private schools it's tough it really is yeah, when you're playing schools that are double the size of yours, that is tough. Yeah. It is tough. And I know there are a lot of schools that feel that way. Uh, so it's yeah. just not feel crest. I mean, Pontiac was in 3A for all these years, and they got the opportunity to drop down to 2A. That was good for them, and they were had a very good basketball team this year. Uh, the scope of 2A just looks so different this year. It really did. There were just so many good teams. And it's weird that you said that because I'm thinking, I'm racking my brain. I'm like, I remember coaches from Princeton saying that because they were 2A, 3A. Mendota, they were 2A, 3A. Ottawa, 4A, 3A. Either, you know, a year they would bounce back and forth. Putnam County was bouncing back between 1A and 2A for a little bit. So, yeah, I've heard the story from many, many different coaches talking about the different ranks and and how it goes together. Oh, I bet. Yeah, and you, you just mentioned all the schools and there were bouncers in our area, which, uh, yeah, I've talked to all those coaches. And, you know, going up, that would just, that's so weird to me, too. I, I hate where schools have to, to bounce up and down. I don't like change. I like everybody being in the same class or not. And I get it. Maybe, you know, like when back in the morning with two classes, you'd get maybe one or two teams that might be right on that cut line every year. But now you have so many schools that are bouncing back and forth. At the beginning of the year, 
one year missed by one or two kids. Uh, they were in 2A by one or two kids where they would have had two less kids that have been in 1A and they would have been a powerhouse. So, I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's tough for them. It's tough for everybody sometimes. And I think that year that you're talking about with Putnam County was the same year that Ottawa was like two people over in 4A when if they were 3A, they probably would have been a really good team. But in 4A, I I don't even think they won a regional championship that year and they had a good squad. Yeah, I know. It happens. You know, you got to have a little luck. Like you said, we've had 14 regional champions uh, at Fieldcrest. I think we've also lost 11. (laughs) You know, we've lost 11 championship teams. So we've been there quite frequently and you know, we've only been to the Super uh, twice, and we've just faced some phenomenal teams. Uh, my son's senior year with Taylor Baxter and Nathan Rob, they go 29-0, and 0 and we, our, our reward for for that was facing Peoria Manuel. We had to get beat by Peoria Manuel two out of three years. Probably one of the greatest basketball schools in, in Illinois. You'd have to rank them in the top probably four, wouldn't you, as far as basketball school? They had to play them twice. If you ask me that question, the first two that I'm thinking right off the bat are Chicago Simeon and then Peoria Manuel. First two that instantly yeah. pop in my head. Yeah, those are the two. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, isn't that crazy that we had to play them two out of the three years? And I'm just going to throw that. We had a lead on them both games. <laughs> Early on, we, we did. We had a lead on them both games. So we fought them as, as hard as we could, but the, the talent just kind of took over. And, uh, they had lots of talent, that's for sure. I must say, too, very well coached throughout all these years. I mean, whoever is coached there has been a, an outstanding coach. Uh, Derek Booth was just uh, phenomenal the two years we played, and he did a great job with them. We're talking about lots of talents and, you know, enrollment sizes and stuff like that. I always thought that Fieldcrest had an interesting outlook on it. The same way with Putnam County, too, being a co-op school that has many different small towns around it filter into one school. Do you think that is an advantage to you because you're getting players from different areas, even though they're not that far from Fieldcrest High School itself? But, you know, you're still getting a different range of talents and, and backgrounds. You know, back when we first started Fieldcrest, we had two junior highs. That was an advantage. Where you have uh, two feeder schools, and you know, some of these schools that have multiple feeder schools have a distinct advantage. You're getting, you know, instead of just getting five junior eighth graders that have started, you're getting ten or fifteen or twenty or twenty-five. That's a huge advantage bringing all those players in. But when we got rid of the two feeder schools and we just went down to one junior high, it was uh, you could tell the difference. trying to come up with a difficult question but i like how you answered it you gave me some background yeah. too i didn't know that's how it happened yeah yeah that's what happened uh, yeah we had two feeder schools and uh, that's been gone for quite some time i can't remember uh, at least 10 years ago that uh, we had only one junior high so not relevant anymore uh, so our junior high coaches have to do a, a great job and they have coach greg peterson has done an awesome job down there that's for sure 
All right, so now I got a hard one for you. So we've been talking about all kinds of different teams and players that you have coached and that have went through the field crest system. Is there any way that you can give me a starting lineup of all-time players throughout your 14 regional championships? You said 11 championship games that you've been to, so that's 25 regional championship games that you've been in, two sectional titles. Any way you can give me a starting five? Boy, that answered that question real quick. <laughs> you know what? We've I've been blessed with many, many good players. I look back, man, there's a lot of good players. A lot of good players. I don't know. There's just been so many big games uh, and big moments. Taylor Baxter comes to mind. Nathan Ropp, of course. Uh, two of those players on the, the undefeated team. But I don't know, man. Jake Martin was a heck of a competitor, a heck of a point guard. Uh, he just made play after play. One of the greatest games ever, too, beating Tremont in a regional championship back when uh, crowds were crowds and standing room only, and we, we trailed most of the game, if not all the game. And remember Kyle Melvin kept pulling him in and out of the ball game, saying, and sitting by me as a guy, he, he, he was just having a horrible night. He was one of our leading scorers. I said, you're going to have to have a jump shot to win this ball game for us. And Tremont misses a free throw with about nine seconds to go, and Jake drives it. He probably could have gone in for a layup, but he kicks it out to Melvin at three, and Melvin hits the three with about two seconds to go, and we win the game by a point. That was just an unbelievable game. Tremont had like, two of the best guards I've ever seen come through our conference, and, and Cuban and Flutterer. <laughs> there's, there's just been so many big games. and It's funny that we're talking. I'm thinking of all the good games. I'm not thinking of the ones we lost uh, for a change, you know? It seems like the losses say it with you for uh, uh, and hurt quite a bit more than the wins. But tonight, for some reason, I'm thinking just of uh, great times and the, the games that we've won and the phenomenal players that have come through our program. I thank you for that. Uh, maybe it's the times that we're in right now that uh, there's no sports, so I'm thinking of all good stuff. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that could definitely be true. <laughs> I can't, I cannot get five players because I'd leave somebody out. I can't do that. Nope, can't do it. <laughs> I understand. As of right now. I understand. Nope. <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. I was like, I have to ask him, though. There's so many great years that he's had, and I was like, I got to ask him if he can, so. No problems. Boy, there has been, too. There has been a lot of great years. A lot of great years, that's for sure. I remember when I first came back to the area, I graduated from Mendota in 04 and then went down to SIU, took a couple-year break. Uh, when a family member passed, went back down, got my degree, and I came up here, worked for a local newspaper in the fall of 2011. Brady Sanders, I kept hearing the name, and I wish you would see this player, and I never got to check him out. So I throw his name in there, because I remember the uh, swirl of comments about his game when I first came back. No, Brady was awesome. He was on that 2012 team. He was a freshman 2010, 2000, the 2011 sophomore, and he was a junior uh, when we went to the Elite Eight. Then his senior year, that's the year we got beat in a close ball game at Monmouth Rosedale. So he had, oh my God, he probably had four of the most successful years ever. And matter of fact, his sophomore year, we got beat by, oh, I think we got beat by Princeton in the regional final where, oh my gosh, I can't, the name it loses me. I uh, drove the length of the four in five seconds and, and hit a jump shot at the buzzer to beat us. Would that be Michael Murray? Um, yes. That's the one. I did yeah. see Sanders. I seen him play. Not that game, but I seen him that year. I seen him. Yeah, that that was. We had some heartbreak. That was a heartbreaker too. There's 
there were some heartbreaking games in there. That was, uh, we had a lead. We just couldn't hold on the lead down the stretch. Missed the free throw. And the last 30 seconds of that ball game was a nightmare. That's for sure. And we say Michael Murray, another great player from this area. He's one of the, I think, one of the best from Princeton, which has a storied basketball legacy, I should say. They sure do. And, man, that guy could jump out of the gym. Oof. We watched him play numerous games, and he, he was just an, a phenomenal jumper. That's for sure. He was a great player. We have talked a lot of basketball, just real quick. I know you are a teacher at Fieldcrest, and we've kind of glanced around the coronavirus thing and how it's crazy. It's shut down the state tournament. Actually, we're kind of on lockdown, sort of say. I mean, they closed down bars and schools and restaurants and, you know, telling people to keep your distance, things like that. How was it at school before they decided to shut it down, and what are you guys doing now? We were supposed to have students today, but we didn't. We just had teachers and just talking about how we're trying to gonna do some e-learning online, trying to keep the students engaged through these tough times where we can't be face-to-face. And I don't know, it's just really, really uncertain time. It's unprecedented. It kind of reminds me of uh, 9-11, uh, the same feeling, uh, but this is worse. So much closer over the United States and it just seems like it's going to last a lot, lot longer. I shouldn't say it's worse. Uh, you know, 9-11 was that you just had that pit in your stomach and I, I have the same pit in my stomach I did then. It's almost like a bad dream and it's, it shouldn't be happening. But we're strong. Believe in this country. We're going to get through it somehow, some way, and we're going to get back to normal. I don't know how soon that's going to be, but when it gets back to normal, we're going to cherish that time, and I think we're going to never waste another minute when it gets back to that, because uh, we I don't think we've, we've hit the bad times yet. There's going to be more uh, bad times here, and it might be a way that um, the good Lord wants us to be a little bit closer to our families and talk a little bit more and get back to basics and maybe not to rely so much on on those other things. We're going to miss the time that we're going to have socializing with friends and being self-quarantined and cooped up, but uh, we got to do what we got to do to get through this, and that's true. We got to rely on people, and maybe this is one way that we're going to come closer when it's all said and done. I tend to agree with you, Coach Winkler. I definitely have said some of the same things that you just said. I mean, other states, as we speak right now, are on martial law and have curfews and have to be inside at dark, whether you're a kid or an adult, doesn't matter how old you are. So things are vastly changing. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, you walk into a Walmart or any uh, a Target or uh, any grocery store and you can't find toilet paper, you know something's wrong. Hopefully, you know, people keep their heads about them and, and understand we're all in this together and we're going to be in it together and we're going to get through it. Good Lord willing, everything's going to turn out all right. And we're going to find a cure for this thing. We've got some of the smartest people in the world working on it. They'll find something. We'll, we'll, we'll get through it. We're just going to minimize the damage and everybody's going to stay healthy and we're going to be much wiser and much better off when this is all said and done. We're going to cherish family a lot more. We're going to cherish friends a lot more. And we're going to cherish uh, going to work a lot more. It's, it's weird not going to work. It'll be better down the road when we get this figured out. It's going to make everybody stronger. I think I've kept you long enough. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Yeah, this yeah. is, like I said, I've had a lot of fun doing these. I kind of wish I would have started this earlier, but uh, late is better than never. So I'm having fun with this. 
more and more of this here in the next few months. Well, thank you for everything, and you stay safe, and uh, thanks for your coverage, and if you need anything else, just give me a call. Matt Winkler, appreciate you being on the show. Thank you very much. We will definitely stay in touch. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot, Brent. This quarantine is kind of weird. You're not supposed to be out in public, not supposed to be chilling with your friends, all that good stuff. But there's one thing you can do, and that is talk. Thanks to technology, phones, podcasts, all that good stuff, we can still have these cool conversations and share with each other. So that's pretty awesome. Today, I have somebody that I've been waiting to talk to for a little bit, had a great football season, capped it off with an amazing basketball season. And of course, I am talking to Fieldcrest Jr., Jackson Kusick McKay. How's it going, Jackson? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Like I said, been very excited to talk to you. We'll start with basketball. I mean, you had a fantastic season, helped lead Fieldcrest to the Elite Eight, one game shy of a state tournament. Just talk about that feeling and how you guys excelled this season. It was a great season for sure. We like to get that last step, even though, I mean, it got canceled, as we all know. We just played really well as a team when it got to the postseason. We had struggles here and there throughout the season, but I mean... Our defense really stepped up, and we just had a lot of big players step up in the postseason and just played really well as a team. Yeah, every box score had you and Corey Land. It seemed like he stepped up. He was one of the ones you had some struggles here and there throughout the season, but, man, he was incredible during the postseason, not going to lie. And he is also a junior, so you guys are coming back for a last hurrah next year. Yes, we are. What are you doing to or the team in general doing to try to push it to the next level and get to that state tournament, you know, a year from now? As with any championships come, you got to work on defense and just decision-making, I would say, and just kind of build a more of a closer connection as a team just in the summer and everything, if we can even play those games. We just got to play good defense and get on the same page at all times. Yeah, man, we are in the weirdest times of our lives right now. Don't know what we can do. Don't know what's going to happen in the future. So have you talked to Coach Matt Winkler and Fieldcrest administration and what you guys are able to do? Yeah, he called me, I think, last week or so and just was talking about, like, the season stuff, obviously, just reflecting on it. And then just about, like, what's going to be happening with school and everything. But, uh... We don't know what's going to go on with the summer basketball and everything yet, so I'll have to talk to them some more. Summer basketball is fun. I mean, it's their games, they're, so they're not recorded, but you learn so much during those summer games. Yeah, yeah, for sure. As a team, I mean, a team can just really come a long way in the summer from just like the year before and everything, so I think that'll definitely help with as of any team that I've played on before, so I mean... Hopefully we get to do all those games and build a better bond and just get to show it the next season. As a junior, you guys had a young team. What were some things that you had to do to step up as in, I would say, in the leadership aspect? Because if you ask me, you're probably the leader of the team. Yeah, I was I was elected captain. As a leader, as a junior also, I mean, you just got to get the your players in the right mindset before every game. And if coach is getting on them like Coach Winkler does, then... You got to just let them know, like, it's all right and everything. Just make up for the next play. Just do your job and everything. So you just got to keep their head in the right place at all times, or try to at least. Definitely. Having a coach like Matt Winkler, yeah, he's. I've heard that he's a little hard on players and talks to them as they're, you know, normal individuals instead of a kid, which I think is the way to go. But his success rate 
shows why he does that. And I believe, you know, he still cares for him, his players, to a high, high level of respect. Do you feel that way as a player of his? Oh, yeah, definitely. He's uh, your biggest critic, but at the same time, he's your biggest fan. You got to understand it as a player that your coach can get on you and you got to be able to take it and just take the words of constructive criticism that he gives you and try to put it into your game and fix what's going wrong. Definitely. I've seen the man in action quite a few times, and I think he's a great coach. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely up there in Illinois high school coaches. Through the season, your game individually, what were some things that you improved to help your game and help the Knights? I would just say... Coming off football, a little bit of us were just rusty, you know, because the season lasted pretty long and into basketball practices. So uh, we just tried to get into it as quickly as possible, get our legs back and everything. We did that pretty well, obviously, with Coach Winkler in practices. We got our legs back very fastly. Throughout the season, just tried to improve our defense every day because that's what wins us games, especially because we didn't have much height. You always got to work on that, and uh, we just worked on a lot of shooting and I think we improved both those throughout the season. Speaking of shooting, I think the last time I talked to you was a season ago, and you knocked down seven threes, a monster comeback victory over El Paso Gridley. I know you remember that game. Yeah, yeah, that was for sure a classic game for one of my high school games. That was, was definitely really fun. Um, definitely uh, looked back on that game and thought about it before, but yeah, it was, it was a good game. I remember asking you after the game, I'm like, you ever shot like that before? You're like, no, no way. <laughs> no, never have. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I had a few games like that this season, but I changed my form this off season, which I think made my shot better. What did you do to your form to make it better? The year before, I, I shot, like, really low, and it was a slow shot. But uh, this year, I changed it. It's a little bit more higher release, quicker release. Still off to the side a little bit, but... Uh, it gets the job done for the most part. What was something about this basketball team that, you know, I'm sure there's many things that you could say to answer this, and that's okay. What were some of the, like, things that your team did that you most enjoyed playing with this group of guys? Just the resiliency, like, the sectional championship. I, I was just so proud of my teammates and everything. Like, we were down 13, I think, at half or whatever at some point, and we came back and fought as hard as we could, and pulled out a sectional victory which was incredible and I really enjoyed that with my teammates and was just so proud of all of them. Basketball was not the only success that the Knights had this season or this school year I should say. You've mentioned it a few times talking about the football team you guys get to the semifinals of the class 2A playoff bracket. You know your team was <laughs> you guys were super successful and were known throughout all of Illinois which is kind of hard for Fieldcrest because it is a small town in the middle of nowhere but everybody knew who you guys were this year. Yeah in football we just came into the season working really hard in the summer going into those practices and I mean, we had a mindset that we wanted to win the conference. We wanted to go 9-0, and and um, it came with a lot of hard work this year. And We made it happen. We fought really hard in our last game, and uh, we just fell short, unfortunately. Fieldcrest football has had a long list of, like, very, very talented skill players. I mean, you, of course... Uh, I know there was Anthony Rogers, Derek May. I could continuously list all the skill players that has went through Fieldcrest. What is it about that area that you guys just have very, very talented athletes and skill players on the football field? I'm not sure what it is about the area. Maybe there's something in the water, not sure. But uh, 
head coach just really brings a a good mindset to practice. Obviously, we got a new coach coming in this year, and Coach Freeman will bring that same mindset as always. And I think it's just the players do what they do, and uh, coaches coach us up. What I like about Fieldcrest is the community support in Fieldcrest. The sports is, I mean, that's life. That's a huge thing for your guys' community. What was it about the community this year that really stood out and, you know, helped support you guys? As of every year, I mean, the community's at every game and just supporting like crazy and as loud as can be, which is awesome. Like, the sectional championship for basketball was just packed. There was not a seat in there, especially on the Fieldcrest side. And, I mean, that's always awesome to have just your parents, family, and then all the rest of the supporters is incredible. Even with football, we just had an incredible amount of supporters, which I, I just can't thank them enough because that really does help the team out, and it really just gives them an advantage for sure, I'd say. You mentioned a new coach, Derek Schneeman, resigned from Fieldcrest, moved on to be an assistant at DeKalb, and Mike Freeman coming in to coach you guys starting, I guess, right now. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> He's been an assistant with the Knights for a while. What does he bring to the table that's going to help Fieldcrest continue to be successful? He brings a lot. I mean, as of Coach Schneeman, they both had uh, similar qualities in like, the skill position, coaching those type of players and stuff. But uh, he brings a lot of knowledge for sure and knows how to work with the players, I would say, very well. So that's what Coach Freeman brings very good. Are you excited to play for him next year as a senior? Oh, yeah, definitely. It'll be super fun. Going into your senior year, obviously, still talking about football. You as a wide receiver, Corey Land coming in as a quarterback. Play football together, play basketball together, same grade. What does that mean on the field and on the court to have that kind of bond, that relationship that you guys are doing so many sports and things together and have been doing it probably for quite a long time? Yeah, me and Corey have definitely, uh, we got a bond for sure. He actually lives right next to me, so that even helps that even more. We've always played in the driveway and things like that before, so uh, as of on the court and on the field, I mean, it'll just bring an even stronger connection. We just got to go out there and show it and make it happen. Definitely. Is he your bestie? Uh, I got a few of them, so. <laughs> awesome. You know, we just mentioned Schneeman stepping away, Mike coming in. What did Derek mean to the program? I mean, he led the Knights to some success that they had never had before. Oh, yeah. Coach Schumann was a great coach for sure. Uh, he definitely connected with the players very good as well. But uh, he obviously had to do the right thing for his family. And uh, as all the players on the team, I think we understand that. So uh, he brought great things as well. As a senior, we got to move on and focus on that this next season with Coach Freeman. Was it difficult knowing that Derek is not going to be there and, you know, a new coach is stepping in? Or was it not difficult because you know the coach anyway? Um, it was definitely hard just like him having to give us a speech in his classroom and everything. It was definitely hard. It's going to be fun with Coach Freeman because we've had a special bond as well throughout high school. Hopefully Derek knows what he's getting himself into. DeKalb is big-time football. Oh, yeah. Before we hit the record button, we were talking about spring and you do not play baseball. You're not a track athlete. And then we were, I was asking about the baseball team, like, hey, you got friends on the team that are seniors and might not be able to play. And Fieldcrest has a very unusual circumstance. There's no seniors on the baseball team? Nope. I don't believe there's any. I don't think they've had really many practices during this whole thing. So I don't think they have any seniors going out. And that's something that doesn't usually happen. A lot of juniors in my class that go out and very talented kids. 
Well, that's good for, I guess, the baseball team so there's no players that are going to miss their senior year because that's a big thing right now. Seniors yeah. not being able to play their last year of spring sports. For, for sure. That'd be pretty bad. All right. That's enough field crust sports. I got some weird question to ask you, Jackson. All righty. All right. We're doing quarantine, so I don't know why, but in my mind, food is a very important thing during this quarantine. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, for sure. So we'll start there. I used to not be a breakfast guy, but now that I'm getting older, I guess breakfast is very important. So we'll start there. What's your favorite cereal? Um, I'd have to go with Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I mean, just got that crunchy cinnamon flavor. You can't pass it up. Never, never. <laughs> My favorite is still Fruity Pebbles. Yes, that's a good one, too. Delicious. If you're making a sandwich, what do you put on the sandwich? Go through the process with me. Kind of bread, ingredients. What is your best sandwich? Some wheat bread and then turkey or honey ham. Probably turkey, though. And then some Swiss cheese and then some mayo and then the bread on top. No ketchup or mustard? Nope, just mayo. Gotcha. That kind of sounds delicious. Yeah, it does for sure. Just so we don't leave out, you know, the eating times, let's go dinner. Do you like chicken wings? Oh, yeah, I love chicken wings. What kind of sauce? You like it hot? You like it sweet, tasty? What do you What do you go for? The honey barbecue. It's not a bad one. Kind of messy, but good. All right, and in between all these, you know, there's snack time. What's your favorite kind of potato chips? Probably barbecue chips or Doritos. One of the two. Big Doritos guy over here. Oh, yeah. And, of course, you got to have something to drink. Do you drink pop or no? Oh, uh, yeah. I try to stay away from it as much as possible, but, yeah, I drink it. It's tough, though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> What's your favorite type of pop? Uh, Mountain Dew. Good choice, good choice. Mm-hmm. Me, it's either Diet Coke or Mountain Dew. It's one of the two. All right, obviously, you're a big sports guy. been playing sports your entire life. You pay attention to professional sports, too? Well, at least when they're playing? Yeah, I definitely do, especially when they are on. That's the most thing I'd probably watch. So we'll start with NBA-wise, because basketball, I guess, last sport that was going on. Basketball, who is your current favorite player? Either Kyrie or Westbrook. One of the two. I, I really liked Westbrook when he was on the Thunder, but now that he's with Harden, not as much. But uh, I still like Westbrook a lot. Just the energy he plays with and swag. Of course you go with point guards. Yeah, <laughs> can't not go away from the position. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Who is your favorite player of all time? Jordan, Michael Jordan. Greatest of all time. I feel like if you're from Illinois, especially where we're at, that's going to be the all-around answer all the time. Yeah, it should be. If you're a LeBron fan, no. <laughs> so who's your second favorite NBA player? If you don't have a definite number two favorite player of all time, you can list a couple that would be in that realm. I would say Iverson's definitely up there. I really love watching Kyrie's handles. I think the best ever. Kevin Durant, he's just incredible to watch with his size and everything. Definitely. Since we're talking about point guards, and you've listed a couple here and there, who are your top five point guards of all time? Oh, man, that's tough. So <laughs> what we um, do here at Edge of Your Seat Podcast, Jackson. We ask tough questions. Uh, I would say Magic's. Probably number one. Magic's pretty incredible. I would say Westbrook's probably four on my list. Curry's probably three. And 
Steve Nash, two, and five after it's all said and done, probably Kyrie, I'm saying. Okay, okay. Sorry, I had to put you on the spot. I was just curious. That's good. <laughs> I had to think. <laughs> all right, let's switch to the NFL. You are a wide receiver. Is that your favorite position when you're watching NFL? Yeah, I would definitely say. Who are your top guys that you like to watch now, currently? I like Julio Jones. He's definitely one of my favorites, even though Matt Ryan's not too good. I like Julian Edelman a lot, just the fire he plays with and everything. Tyree Kill, for sure. He's pretty fun to watch. That's a good list right there, definitely. Who is your favorite wide receiver of all time? I wouldn't say I have a favorite receiver, but Dion for, like, corner receiver. I love Deion Sanders. One of my favorite Brian, players of all time. Prime time. <laughs> I'm glad you said him. I love Deion Sanders. I grew up watching him pretty much every Sunday. Yeah. My favorite player as when I was a little kid was Devin Hester. And that's also why I wear 23 for football, too, because I just love Hester. So dynamic of a returner. And he could do really everything. They had him as a wide receiver, a cornerback. He did everything. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't as good as those two, but his return game was special. The best. I think he's the best ever. Yeah. Him and Dion. That's why I like both of them. Yep. True. Are you a Bears fan? Yeah. Unfortunately, he's passed over many years. What do you think about Nick Foles being in the lineup? Definitely better than Trubisky, I would say. Trubisky just, I feel like he'll have it here in a few years. It's not really what I want from the Bears right now, so hopefully Nick Foles can stay healthy. Yeah, that's the biggest question. If he can stay healthy, I mean, he's the best option the Bears have had at a quarterback for quite a while. Yeah, that is true. And the only Super Bowl winning quarterback that we'd have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Need one of them. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. You know, even though we can look back, we can watch YouTube videos or scour the cable packages, internet, whatever, and find clips or games of, you know, in the past. Can't really watch sports now of live things that are going on. So what are you doing during this quarantine while we're trying to cut this coronavirus and, and just live our lives again as normal? We can't really do that yet, but what are you trying to do to try to keep some normalcy? Uh, just work out a little bit. Just try to get some little workouts in here and there. Um try to shoot hoops as much as I can outside, but the weather sometimes doesn't permit the hand, obviously, with this whole thing going on. Can't as much, and um, just kind of watching film and watching a lot of highlights on YouTube and everything. I think it was two days ago, I was watching the biggest bust in sports on YouTube videos. You should check that out. There's some funny names in there. Yeah, I've, I've watched a lot of stuff like that. I, I probably have already watched that, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> probably. If you've watched them, probably. And playing a lot of video games. <laughs> what video games do you get down on? I like Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, Call of Duty Black Ops 3 Zombies, and 2K. I've been playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare for probably the last four days straight. And NBA 2K, I play all year round every year. So, yeah. Yeah. Love 2K. Love the park. Oh, is that your favorite mode, the park? Yeah. It's frustrating, though. There is a lot of amazing NBA 2K players. There is. There is. I'm a my team guy. Yeah, I used to play that, but uh, I play a lot of my play now. Just the thrill of it. Yeah, definitely. I just like trying to make my best team of NBA legends. That's what I like trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, I used to play that. 
Like right now, my main focus is I have Tracy McGrady. It's like a 98 pink diamond, and I just lob up to a pink diamond Will Chamberlain all the time. That's all I do. That's just easy there. <laughs> easy dubs. Yeah. All right, Jackson, I appreciate you joining Edge of URC Podcast. Talked about a little bit of everything, some field crest, some food, some professional sports. I mean, that sounds like a great time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Definitely. Hopefully we'll have you back on senior year and we'll get some games going on here. Yeah, hopefully.